that being said, congratulations, guys. You are going to recast one of the largest Hollywood stars ever yeah, right. of our generation. Next. On Dateline. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Replay Value Podcast, where we deep dive into the movies we all love to watch over and over again. I'm Phil, joined by my brother from the same mother, our co-host on the West Coast, Warren. What's up, bro? In this episode, we're going to talk about the coming-of-age teen buddy comedy, Superbad. best friend high school seniors plan an epic party to get drunk and lose their virginity before they graduate when everything goes wrong. Ah, tale as old as time and super bad tells it extremely well. Uh, this is um, one of my favorite comedy films uh, of all time. I mean, I've said this in the past a few times, but there are certain movies when you watch them from the opening credits, you know, you're like, I'm in. I dig it. This is uh, this is my jam. I'm going to own this movie as soon as it comes out. A DVD must buy very high replay value. Uh, it's one of those you have to have in the collection. I got to say the theater experience was probably the funnest I've had with an audience where everyone's yeah. laughing real loud together and it's just a real yes. raucous. Uh, probably I right there it. with the hangover. I mean, it just... I can't remember laughing out loud that hard that much as much as I have in Superbad and The Hangover. I mean, it's literally a, a, a draw between those two movies in terms of how much I laughed watching them. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I did have the... I was able to go see with a group of friends in the theater. Yeah, me too, and yeah. And get, get that experience, um, you know, within a couple oh, of the first couple so weeks great. of it coming out. Yeah, and, 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 and that's something, you know, it never gets old, uh, and when you get, it, to, it takes a truly great comedy to be able to get an audience to do that together in a theater. It's just a, it's a, it's a unique experience, and it's generational. I mean, it's a special movie to, to get an audience there. For that very reason, it being that it's such a great comedy, I mean, that that that's what keeps you coming back to. That's why it has a high replay value. Is is it's got that uh, you know, great jokes, great storytelling. You can relate to it. You relate to the characters. I mean, it it has a, a lot of elements working for it. So getting into it, who made the movie? How did it get made? Uh, Above the Line, written by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, produced by Judd Apatow and Shauna Robertson, and directed by Greg Matala. I was surprised, you know, without looking at the the, the uh, Above the Line of the credits, I, I would have thought it had been directed by Seth or Evan or, or Judd. I'm going to make, I'm going to be honest, and no diss to Greg, because he's a great director. I mean, he's made some really good movies. Uh I thought Judd Apatow directed this. I bet, like before I went back, I just, I just associated him with the picture. Uh, you know, it. We, you talk about this movie. Uh, you can't talk about it without talking about how prolific not only Judd Apatow but Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg have been in terms of their contributions to cinema and and, and comedy and television. I mean, all the different things they contributed to. I mean, just, just start with Judd Apatow. I mean, this is one of the great. I don't know if there's been a filmmaker that has been this prolific in making and generating comedy hit after comedy hit after comedy hit 
Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Step Brothers, Walk Hard, Bridesmaids, This Is 40, Anchorman, <laughs> Talladega Nights, Trainwreck, The Big Sick. I mean, this guy has had his hands everywhere. He, he's truly uh, one of our great, great filmmakers uh, working in Hollywood today. Yeah, and I think that's why we thought he you know, wrote and directed it instead of just produced it is because you know, his fingerprints are all over it. And, and plus, you know, the Apatow crew, they, they, there's a lot of interchanging parts and people that he works with, including Matala, who he's worked with, who he worked with, you know, he's before and then Seth and Evan, of course. And speaking of uh, Seth and, uh, and Evan, um, look at their prolific uh, contribution. Uh, this is the end. Neighbors, the interview, Sausage Party, Disaster Artist, Future Man, The Boys most recently. Invincible. Love that show. A lot of cool TV shows. Yeah. They have one coming out called Console Wars, which is about like the, the Sega Nintendo battle. It's like anything that they are about to do. I'm just like, I'm in. This says yeah. a great idea, you know. And, and it really is. And when you look at the movies that these two powerhouses teamed up with, uh, that being Rogan and Goldberg and Judd Apatow, Knocked Up, Super Bad, Pineapple Express, and Funny People. So they worked together on four movies. Yeah, this one in particular uh, was inspired by their teen years. I think this is probably one of the earliest projects that they worked on. I think they started on the script like what they were like when they were 13 years old, I'm wanting to say. Maybe conceived it, but I think most of it was written. It was based on their their senior experiences in high school in, yeah. Vancouver in the late 90s. <laughs> so I did see that. I don't think you're writing a lot of that script when you're 13. Sorry. Yeah, well, I, I did see. I think you have an idea of say, hey, you know, we, we have all these characters, these people we know in high school. Let's write about it. But the, the specifics of this story are so centered around their senior year. They didn't do this when they were 13. It, it went through many permutations, but... The, I think the um, the heart of it was grounded in the realistic high school well, experience. They, I think when they started when they were 13, the whole idea, and I think I'm, I'm actually quoting them, they said they just wanted to see if they could write a movie. It may have taken them a while, but they, they did. It did end up taking them, I think, over seven years to to finalize the script. Yeah, from conception to the movie getting released. Yeah. Uh, it was filmed in and around Los Angeles in 2006. Uh, a lot of the locations I recognize, uh, the Westfield Mall in Culver City, the liquor store in Glendale, the Cal State campus in Northridge, uh, and the high school in the movie was El Segundo High School. Yeah, so, I mean, it, what I found interesting about that, though, is that, you know, we talk about how a lot of films that are set in a certain city like uh, Chicago, New York. I, I think that they're in it. They end up getting shot in Canada. This movie was written to be about Evan and Seth's experience in Vancouver in the 1990s, but it was actually shot in LA, and that's where it was based instead of it actually being being done in Canada <laughs> at all. Uh, but what I love about the film is uh, one of the many things is the vibe that it has. Um, so even though it's you know made in 2007. You, you everybody's got a flip phone it looks like the 90s the the soundtrack even the opening well, from the soundtrack's more 70s that's what i'm saying even the the soundtrack is from the 70s even in the opening um columbia pictures title opener thing is not the current one or the modern one it's the one from the 1970s so it captured this timeless essence uh of anybody can relate to this high school experience it doesn't lock it into a certain era uh, through, you know, th through music or tech, it's kind of all over the place, and I feel like that as a, a lot of that is an Apatow touch uh, as a producer doing doing something like that, uh, or maybe Greg Matola. That was more uh, his touch. Yeah, now I do want to ask you. I'm going to give you the impossible task, Warren. And we talked a lot about M Matola, of course, directing, but 
the connection of Judd Apatow and his fingerprints being all over everything. I'm going to give you the impossible task. Give me your top five Judd Apatow films. Not necessarily written, directed, but just anything you know what I'm talking about that Apatow has had his fingers on. That's impossible. Um, do I have to rank him or just give it to you my five? Uh, I mean, I've got mine ranked here. So, I mean, you know, if you don't, I mean, if they're all things created equal, if you can narrow mm. it down to five, that's admirable. I, I, mean, I had several to, cross outs on mine. Go, I, I just got to go probably number one, Anchorman. Okay. Nice. Number two, Talladega Nights. Yes. All right. Number three, Super Bad. All right. Number four, Bridesmaids. Okay. And then, uh, man, number five, it's a welter title match between Step Brothers and Forgetting Sarah Marshall. But today, <laughs> I'm going to go with Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, I mean, I think, you, you know, you could ask, a, you know, a million people their top fives. You'd probably get a million different answers. He's done that many great projects. Yes, me a different day. I'll, name, I'll rank him differently. And let's not forget about his great documentaries on Gary Shandling and uh, uh, George Carlin, too. So, um, I mean, he's those are fantastic. They're on HBO. They're, they're very so good. good. Yeah. Uh, for me, it would be from one to five. I, just because it, I've seen it so much, a personal favorite of mine, Forty Year Old Virgin would be number one. Uh, then, Fuck, I just I forgot yeah, about that. That's yeah. how per, I, just, I totally yeah. forgot. Uh, and then and then Superbad at two, uh, Anchorman at three, then Step Brothers at four, and Talladega Nights at five. So I mean, there's just so many, so many hits. It's like the yeah. fucking Beatles of comedy movies uh, in terms of his <laughs> hits. I'm forgetting them. And this year specifically was a huge year because 2007 Apatow had this. Knocked up and walk hard the Dewey Cox story. Wow. So, I, mean, I mean, just an incredible year for for Apatow. I mean, really took big him to year for level. Rogan too. Oh, Knocked absolutely, super bad. Yeah. yeah. Real quick on music, we talked about it has a 1970s vibe to it, but I, I want to make a call out to one track specifically that I I just got introduced to recently. It's called My Favorite Mutiny by the Coup. Uh, or the coop, I should say. Uh, the reason why I'm so familiar with that song is from watching it as the opener on the show Winning Time, the, the story of the, the L.A. Lakers dynasty. Oh, yeah, That's I the opening that song to that. And you can faintly hear it in the background of one of the party scenes while a couple people are talking and, and super bad. And I was like, hang on a second. And sure enough, I checked check the track listing. And, man, I love that song. Yeah, that song grows on you as you watch the episodes. It, it, yeah, at first I was like, yeah, they it, it, it really, it, by the end, I really liked it. And we'll move on to the stars of the picture. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Bunch of future stars in this movie. Uh, another movie where the casting directors just fucking knocked it out of the park. I mean, a lot better than we are doing the recasting. I know that. <laughs> of course, uh, yes, much better. Obviously. Starring Jonah Hill, Michael Cera, Christopher Mintz-Ploss, Seth Rogen, Bill Hader, and Emma Stone. This was Emma Stone's first film along with uh, Christopher Mintz-Ploss, uh, both making their uh, uh, debuts. I was surprised to see that from Emma Stone because around that time I knew she was in the, uh, an underrated film with uh, Josh Gad uh, called The Rocker, which I think came out a year later. And then Zombieland was within a couple years of that too. But I'd forgotten that this was actually her first role. But I mean, yeah, I mean, she... Uh, it's amazing that they were able to, to to get her for her first role in this film. Well, it's just amazing that they happen. This happens to be her first movie, considering who she ultimately would become. Right. I mean, yeah, that's a better way to you say. You can say it. that for a lot of people in this movie. Shit. Yeah, and it's it's one of those where it's like, did they become so big because of the opportunity and the the breakout 
role status that they got in super bad or because you know they took advantage of the opportunity now, i think it's uh look a lot of things propel someone into the zeitgeist of stardom i, I think this is just one of the many things that uh that fueled that rise i, I think it's not just one movie I, I when you get that big it's it's a number of things that come together i, I would agree with you um wholly on that because yes this may get you your opportunity this may help open doors but you still got to deliver at the end of the day yeah man you know just absolutely just because you got your foot in the door on emma uh, for emma stone on super bad doesn't mean you're going to go and you know win an academy award well, what's amazing know? though yeah look at jonah hill i mean how much he's grown and changes an actor going to com bouncing between comedy and and and, and dramas he could have just made a career doing these type of comedies, playing that type of uh, angry comedic character. I mean, there's like the Lewis Black type of, you know, type of comedian just being that's funny as hell, man. It's really funny. But you can only do it for so long. I mean, because he was starting to get typecast as that. I mean, you had he had small roles in the 40 year old virgin and grandma's boy up to this Forgetting point. Sarah Marshall. Forgetting, he had that was his wheelhouse. And he he has completely separated himself Grown from out that. Of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I mean. One of the best actors of his generation, I would say. He's shown how talented he is. That's what I'm saying. You know, it makes me think of like how uh, very few actors are so great at doing comedy and drama. It makes me think of uh, Tom Hanks, mm. you know, someone who just started off in comedy and then went to drama. And now he can just do both seamlessly. And he's just so great at it. Well, I think what's great is that, you know, you watch it when I remember watching Superbad initially. And I didn't. That's the only way I knew Jonah Hill was from those comedy types of films. And you almost take it for granted. And now you go back and watch it, know what he's done with his career, and you're like, holy shit, was he, is he talented? Yeah. I mean, to being able yeah. to do that. So it uh, almost didn't happen, though. Uh, Seth Rogen almost uh, had the the part as Seth. Yeah, but in he the got film. too old. Well, here's the funny thing he looked too old and would look too big for the part. He's actually only two years older than Jonah Hill. Um, so it, it almost could have gone the other way. And I'm not saying I would attribute the, the career Hill's had to this role, but I mean, it, it was break a breakout role for him, his first leading role. Oh yeah, role. for sure. Um, Mount Rushmore. Any of the actors in the cast where this is in their top four? It's one of their most known movies. Um, yeah, I would say uh, I would say Michael Cera would would be that mm -hmm. there. Uh, Christopher sure. Christopher Mintz Plass for sure. I mean, just the yeah, iconic McLovin. role of the McLovin character. Uh, I mean. Ask me five years from now, I probably wouldn't put him in there, but I would say it is still in the Mount Rushmore for Jonah Hill. Uh, but he's just doing so much lately uh, that, yep, again, a few mm -hmm. years from now, it probably won't be on there anymore. I would say Jonah Hill. I think he's done enough already where it's not on there. Um, it's borderline, yeah. Uh, and I don't think so. I think it's uh, plus. Uh, you could even argue Rogan just because it launched him. It's his top gun. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, as a writer, for Rogan sure, Rogan is the biggest benefactor. Biggest benefactor for me would be uh, would or be Apatow or Rogan. It's a between. Those oh, two, I was going to say as an actor, I would say the biggest benefactor would be Emma oh, actor. Yeah, I would say it would be Emma Stone, uh, because uh, I mean, I, my my initial thought was Jonah Hill, but he was already in that Apatow circle, getting the mm -hmm. roles and everything. I mean. He's so talented. I feel like it was just a matter of time, and uh, maybe that's right. Again, our first break. Yeah, I mean that, but give and being it, good in it, being in a good movie, being a good that, movie, that, that's and, important. Yeah, I think I'd have to say Emma Stone. Other than that, I would say Christopher Mintz Plus. Fuck everybody benefited. It's a big comedy hit. And they all the, we the cast ended up having five stars in it. So I think everybody ended up winning <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I do want to throw out a, a few uh, awesome cameos. It's great to see when you go back and watch the film now. Uh, you had um, Danny McBride, uh, who was the buddy at a party. He's, you know, of course, 
Pineapple Express, uh, uh, Eastbound and Down, Righteous Gemstones. Uh, Dave, Dave Franco was mm-hmm. the uh, Greg yeah, the soccer like player. Second, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> Very blink and you miss a cameo. Uh, Joe Latruglio is Francis, who is of course uh, Charles Boyle from uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and then even Seth Rogen's dad, Mark Rogen was the father that ran outside with the baseball bat uh, screaming at, at Seth uh, as he was running away with the with the beer so huh and uh oh Justin Long also had a scene but it was cut oh so he, he, I yeah, did, he was also cast I didn't know that so I mean yeah I, you know when you have that another again, talent there man a lot yeah, of talent Rogers. I mean Apatow he had a deep well to pull from from very talented people um I said the Seth Rogen what if almost getting uh, cast as uh, the the Seth role, Jonah Hill's character. Uh, another big what if, uh, and again, I don't know how much truth there is to this, uh, the Jules role that went to Emma Stone almost went to Jennifer Lawrence. Um, so that could have been mm. very different, but she wow. she would have been great for that too. But I mean, how crazy is that yeah. you almost get two Academy award winning act future academy award winning actresses that early in their career it's crazy yeah she'd have been great too yeah jennifer lawrence wow uh actors at their peak uh this movie's got five stars on the rise hill <sighs> sierra rogan hater stone as much as I, I hate to say it i don't think i don't think this is any i don't think you're getting any of the actors at their peak because they would go on no to no, do... no no i'm gonna disagree with you michael Cera had juno and Superbad come out this year okay okay this was well i mean but just a few years later we had scott pilgrim i mean he took off after yeah, this. that's my favorite of his movies he Same hasn't here. really been in any big movies though i've seemed like he's kind of laid low i don't think he's well i think he he's at the point to where he can make the movies he wants to make you know um, yeah. and, and I think there was a little bit of uh, eschewing of certain typecasts on his part as well, uh, you know, fitting in that, uh, I mean, his... Commun- it just he hasn't been in any big movies the past few years, is my point. He was in yeah. a lot of big ones there for a while. Th- that's fair, but I mean, his... Uh, studio movies, doing a lot of indies. Yeah, I think that's what he wants to do, because I mean, the, the, the subtleness to his comedy, I mean, it's easy to, I think, I think he was getting typecast in a lot of that, uh, mm. when he's, of course, way talented. Yeah underutilized I'll lead off here underutilized characters um the officers Rogan and Haters characters uh <laughs> I want more 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 of these cops in this movie I'm surprised and I don't want to step on legacy but it's, why why didn't they get some kind of spin off like these these guys are great and uh, I want I want more <laughs> of these characters and these actors playing them okay um I would say underutilized would be um the bully that spits uh at um at seth you know i feel like you know we never like that is a uh, it was a somewhat of a cliche trend in teen movies well you're really reaching there with that one it was it's a reach but i feel like it's more i think going back to the story that's a bit part man no no that's what i'm saying though i think it's more of what i want to see as far as character development like you know clearly these guys are kind of the nerds especially mclovin but you never see him bullied yeah, you know, I think that that was a big part that was left out, maybe intentionally, but I feel like realistically, there would have been more of that. I mean, you got one scene outside of a gas station or outside of a convenience store. I feel like there wasn't enough of an angle of them showing them as down on their luck um, eh. high schoolers. You got enough characters you're focusing on. I, I, I'm surprised you're taking a bit part and moving it up to lead status here. Um, not not lead status, just more supporting. 
Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it was more supporting them. More to do. All right. Well, uh, gotta ask Warren. I mean, we've gone through the whole list. Who's your MVP? MVP. It, man, it's fucking obvious. It's Jonah Hill. He he he's uh, it's a star in the making. It's his first lead performance. Uh, he's so mad. It's hilarious. Uh, you know, he's not gonna hurt anybody. But it, it's just <laughs> so funny to see him get so worked up about stuff. Uh, the yeah. energy, the anger. Reminds me of somebody else I know. Yeah. How, oh, fuck you. <laughs> uh, how he relates to everything, it's just hilarious. Um, uh, he, he steals every scene he's in. When you're watching the movie, you listen to, you're listening to him, you're watching him, you, you're not really paying attention to anyone else. Yeah, it, it, he definitely carries the movie. If you would have picked it, I almost thought you were going to go with McLovin, but a true MVP is Seth because, I mean, his comedy is on another level. The delivery by Hill mm-hmm. in the role is just is perfection. I mean, no one else. The movie doesn't he, work without that performance. Doesn't work so without good. him, absolutely. Very good, very good choice. He drives a lot of the comedy. All right, stats and accolades of Superbad. Release date was August 17th, 2007. This is the first film in almost 100 episodes, the first film that we have done from 2007. Wow. On a budget of $20 million, opening weekend, knocked that out of the park with $33 million. It was number one for its first two weeks and in the top five for its first five weeks. So uh, for being a rated R film, it was a hit uh, domestically, $121.4 million, worldwide, $170.8 million. And with all those totals, it would finish number 33 at the box office for the year. Which may sound low, but again, it's a rated R comedy film. That is quite impressive for the whole year for it to be that high. It was the biggest teen comedy hit till uh, uh, 21 Jump Street. Oh, really? The highest grossing, yeah. Huh. Big, big okay. hit. Uh, oh, the tagline, come and get some. Is this a fight movie? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm I don't sure. think they thought that one out very through. That was a very half-baked tagline. I'm sure line. Apatow, Rogan, or Goldberg didn't sign off on that. That's a studio tagline, yeah. Yeah, studio or just a marketing department that didn't quite understand what the movie didn't was. Didn't get it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Runtime, an hour and 53 minutes. Contributes to its high replay value. Under two hours, it's a breeze. Uh, rated R. Uh, th- there is some... Conflicts with the MPAA concerning the dick drawings, uh, which <laughs> understandable. Uh, <laughs> Gold, Evan Goldberg's brother uh, drew those over a thousand that he drew, uh, but only like what probably five are actually used in the movie. But then you see quite a few of them in the uh, post credit scene. Yeah, I was surprised they kept it in the family. His brother David Goldberg, that being the uh, the illustrator for those. But I mean, they're just I love watching him in the in the credits. I mean, they're. They're hilarious. Yeah, they are pretty funny. Body count two, uh, the uh, fantasy sequence uh, when the guard slit Seth's throat when he's fantasizing about buying liquor. <laughs> but then I think the guard, he said, he also kills the old lady. Remember, because Seth's like, he well, killed her. Uh, allegedly, he thinks yeah, he So may. we got I mean, two body count there in the fantasy. Do they uh, really count, though, if it's a fantasy sequence? We see Seth's throat get slit, man. Come on, man. It's on-screen death for sure. I mean, he ain't surviving yeah. that. Uh, well, and, uh, but yeah, but it's a fantasy sequence is what I'm saying. Come on. Do those count? Yeah, it counts. It's on screen. And uh, F-bombs, 219. Fuck you! Ooh, Quentin Tarantino would be proud. Tarantino? <laughs> Scorsese's movies have a higher F count, uh, F-bomb yeah, right. count than anyone. That's fair. Uh, scores of the film, Rotten Tomatoes, 87%, Metacritic, 76 and Cinema Score, A-. minus. Uh, critics, most critics loved it. Uh, always some haters, but uh, Ebert gave it 3.5 out of 4 stars, called it a modern-day animal house. 
some critics, though, uh, critiqued it for being raunchy uh, and uh, you know deviant. But you know, uh, what I mean, what are you even doing? You know, you, do you, you realize know what you're, what you're watching? Into. Exactly. <laughs> Come realize, on. Yeah, and this to me. Uh, shame on those critics. The film is aged. Tom always tells the truth. And it's just a great comedy. The, the, the critics, uh, they got it wrong. Uh, at least those that didn't like it. Yeah, I think it's critics being on their high seat, having a view of what great film should be and just not appreciating it for what it is. But clearly they got it wrong. Hey, shame on whatever. This is is this is the highest level art form in comedy as as far as I'm concerned, I mean, raunchy or not, uh, there's high-level comedy being done here in this movie. There's a high-level filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely has art in it. That's for sure. No, I'm no, kidding. Some great <laughs> shots. I mean, the film's great, man. The the craftsmanship uh, behind the camera is just as strong as in front, in my opinion. There's I, I really love how they punch in at certain moments, particularly on McLovin when he's freaking out at the liquor store. Everyone can relate with that moment when you're trying to buy alcohol when you're underage and like how he's freaking out. The camera's just so well-placed in certain moments, and, and, and I, I just love some of the shots there. So uh, great filmmaking, too. Well, also, it's surprising. You think it is just a raunchy teen movie, but there are moments of of tenderness of like the true coming of age moments sure. you can relate to so it is veiled in a raunchy teen comedy but there are some very relatable moments that are well executed in the film yeah awards of the film 11 wins and 24 nominations uh mostly comprised of uh, critic choice awards uh, golden schmoes and mtv movie awards i'm not 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 surprising i mean those are it's worthy of every award that it got well i mean let's be fair the academy doesn't really recognize comedies that's they, they, they just don't if they did it yeah. would have been it was a big hit it was a great comedy that year all right music of the year in the 50th annual grammy awards rehab by amy winehouse took home record of the year uh, but the billboard hot 100 song would go to irreplaceable by queen b beyonce herself movies of the year top at the box office pirates of the caribbean at world's end uh, harry potter the order of the phoenix Spider-Man 3 and Shrek the Third. Wow. Okay. Some, some, some good films. Not, I mean, I could, all sequels. Yeah. That, probably why this is the first one from 2007 we've covered on the podcast. <laughs> probably. Yeah. That looked like it was that strong of a year. Uh, Oscar Best Picture winner, No Country for Old Men. Good one. Nice. Yeah. Coen Brothers. Uh, Resi Worst Picture winner, I Know Who Killed Me, starring Lindsay Lohan. Haven't seen that one. I can't imagine you have, Phil. I, I've never even heard of it before. <laughs> Movie ticket price uh, for 2007 was $6.88, adjusted for inflation, $8.33. Time person of the year, Vladimir Putin. Wow, that has aged poorly. Yeah, it has. Who Time Magazine claimed returned Russia from chaos to the table of world power. Okay, yeah. Yeah, all right. Man, how a lot can change in 15 years. Yeah, quite yeah. a bit. Uh, World events of 2007, Apple announced the iPhone, NASA launched the Phoenix Mars Lander, the final Harry Potter book was published, Tesla debuts the Roadster, and the Seven Wonders of the Modern World were announced. All right, we'll move on to our best scenes and lines from Superbad. Let's kick things off with your runner-up for best scene, Warren. Uh, okay. <laughs> Laughing already. It's a good sign. Man, really tough to narrow down. A lot of si a lot of great scenes. Um, when Seth tells his childhood story and talent of drawing penises. 
that is also my runner up for best scene. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. I just sit there for hours on end drawing dicks. I don't know what it was. I couldn't touch the pen to a piece of paper without it drawing the shape of a penis. That's fucked. No shit, it's really fucked up. Here I am, this little kid, and I can't stop drawing dicks to save my own life. All right, I mean, I just, I don't see what this has to do with Becca. Just listen, okay? Your precious little Becca sat next to me for all of fourth grade. And in the classroom is where I did the majority of my illustrations. I was very secretive about this whole dick operation I had going on. Even I thought it was fucking crazy. Imagine what everyone else would think. So I would stash all of my dick drawings in this Ghostbusters lunchbox that I had. So one day, finishing up this real big veiny triumphant bastard, all of a sudden... You hit Becca's foot with your dick? Yeah. I know. She starts crying, she flips out. And she rats me out to the principal. He finds his Ghostbusters lunchbox dick treasure chest and he fucking flips out. He calls in my parents. Turns out this principal is some sort of religious fanatic and he thinks I'm possessed by some sort of dick devil. My parents make me go see some therapist and he's asking me all these dick questions. They literally made me stop eating foods that were shaped like dicks. No hot dogs, no popsicles. You know how many foods are shaped like dicks? The best kinds. It's a good one. Yeah, it's great. I mean, the whole bit he goes on about not being able to eat any food shaped like penises. I mean, that that's just all great. <laughs> so it's good. All yeah. so good. So great. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, it, that's one of my favorites. It's hilarious. It's completely out of the blue. It, just one of those moments where you're like, what what is happening? But it's memorably hilarious. So, all right. What was your winner for best scene? Uh, when uh, Fogel shows Seth and Evan his uh, fake ID. Damn, man, that was also my winner, man. Double wow. matchup there. Oh, my God. Jesus. Again? What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Let me see it. You pussy out or what? No, no, man. I got it. It's flawless. Shit. Flawless. All right, that's, that's good. It's hard to trace, I guess. Wait, you changed your name to McLovin? McLovin? What kind of a stupid name is that, Fogel? What, are you trying to be an Irish R&B singer? Oh, they let you pick any name you want when you get down there. And you landed on McLovin? Yeah, it was between that and Muhammad. Why the fuck would it be between that or Muhammad? Why don't you just pick a common name like a normal person? Muhammad is the most commonly used name on Earth. Read a fucking book for once. Fogel, have you ever actually met anyone named Muhammad? Have you actually ever met anyone named McLovin? No, that's why you picked a dumb fucking name. Fuck you. Give me that. All right. You look like a future pedophile in this picture, number one. Number two, it doesn't even have a first name. It just says McLovin. What? What name? What name? Who are you, Seal? Fogel, this ID says you're 25 years old. Why wouldn't you just put 21, man? Seth, 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 listen up, ass face. Every day, hundreds of kids go into the liquor store with their fake IDs, and every single one says they're 21. How many 21-year-olds do you think there are in this town? It's called fucking strategy, all right? Let's stay calm, okay? Let's not lose our heads. No. It's, it's, it's a fine ID. 
It'll, it's gonna work. It's passable, okay? This, this isn't terrible. I mean, it's up to you, Fogel. This guy's either gonna think, here's another kid with a fake ID, or here's McLovin, the 25-year-old Hawaiian organ donor. Okay, so what's it gonna be? I am McLovin. Uh. No, you're not. No one's McLovin. McLovin's never existed because that's a made-up, dumb, fucking fairy tale name, you fuck! Jeez, man, it'll work. Give it a chance. And don't call him Fogel. It's McLovin. Come on. Well, no, but at that moment, he's Fogel. He's not no, I am McLovin. He's he, not truly McLovin yet. He That's, was always McLovin. He just didn't realize it up until that Yeah, point. but no, that whole bit where <laughs> Seth and Evan, uh, as only your best friends can, give him the hardest time, and really some terrible choices about the fake ID. None of them make sense, and they just rip it apart. You can tell some of it's written, a lot of it's improv, and uh, it's just it's it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, and it's one the one where I probably laugh the most. That's very good. All right. Uh, honorable mentions. I'll start off. Um, it's kind of a flip side to that one. It's when he shows his ID, his fake ID to the cops. Don't worry about my first name. But we're the police. Just want to get this, the story straight. So it's just McLovin? Yeah. <laughs> That's badass. It is badass. Really it's cool. Badass. Yeah. Name. A lot of people have weird names nowadays. Chingy, Shakira, Rafe. Packs. We arrested a man lady who was legally named Fuck. I think he was Vietnamese, it was with a PH, yeah. but it's still pretty shocking to see on a license. Yeah. Okay, and uh, how old are you, McLovin? Old enough. Old enough for what? It's a party. Can I see your ID? Yeah, I think I have it. Yeah, I had honorable. I, that was an honorable mention for me. That's also yeah, well. Good. That, that that whole liquor store scene with the cops is basically. So you have it with uh, McLovin on the latter end, but I believe before that we have it with the store clerk, and you see that that okay when they're questioning the store clerk. That tells you just how, that tells you everything you need to know about these cops. They are fucking morons. He was American, and he was like you. He looked just like you. He was Jewish. Just Jewish. like okay. you. Jew. Okay. It's an odd crime for a Jew to yeah, I'm pretty docile. Okay, so we have an African Jew wearing a hoodie. No, you don't. No. no, that's not what I said. Is that what you heard me say? I said he looked like you. Do you look like an African Jew? No, I look like a cop. Yeah. <sighs> he was Caucasian. Caucasian. Oh. Kind of looked like Eminem. Does oh, that help you? Eminem, Eminem. So he was circular. Marshall around. Mathers, Eminem, the rapper Eminem. Yeah, and I think you you said it best in the past. Like that's how you prefer to get your exposition. You exactly. Know, show me how they're morons. Don't tell me they're morons. You know? exactly. Yeah, and that does that tells you right away. Uh, it's so they're so funny uh, in that scene. It's great. Great, great intro. Great, great first scene. And then my last one here is a recurring bit where it recurs two times where Seth gets hit by a car twice. It just, like, how does yeah, that keep the, happening? The, the, that's an the physical comedy is hilarious. How yes. it's shot where the, they just comes out of nowhere and hits him. I love how they shoot Seth getting hit by the car. And I love even how they shoot McLovin getting decked during the liquor store robbery, bringing yeah. it back to the liquor store, which I just I love everything in the liquor store. But that fit the physical comedy is just, yeah, it's very well executed in the film. All right. Any other honorable mentions from you? Um, the cops riding uh, around with McLovin, donuts, driving, shooting, uh, running red lights with the siren. All that shit is just great. <laughs> I mean, it just uh, eventually you 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 do realize. I think well before McLovin does that they're even though they're idiots, 
they they know he's not really McLovin. They 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 figured it out long before yeah. that. But for a while, they've got you both you and him uh, on the hook. I'm surprised. It's my last one. I'm surprised you didn't mention it. Uh, is when Evan explains why he wasn't at Dimitri's party on Saturday to Becca, and it's the unreliable narrator. <laughs> he tries to make it. It sounds cool, but when you're actually watching the flashback, it's pretty lame. So why weren't you at Dimitri's on Saturday? There was just so many things going on. I couldn't find a minute to make do? an appearance over there. Um, Saturday was actually a crazy night for me. I had some friends over and we had a few drinks. That's fantastic. I hung out in my basement, the chill zone is where we chillax, like relax and chill at once. Then Seth's parents were throwing this party. We got to hang around adults, which was a nice change of pace. You know, you you converse, you talk to people and they have interesting stories. I talked to a man who claimed he had climbed five mountains in his life. Wow. And then we went to a nightclub, which was incredible, this big fancy one. I'm feeling crazy. I said that. You got in. We got right in. You want to do this? Boy, much. Fuck you. Then we called it a night. We were all just really exhausted. <laughs> oh, the fuck? You would have loved it. It was an incredible, unbelievable night. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. A lot of the unreliable narration. Love it. In this film. Love it. All right. Best lines from the film. Uh, keep it going. What's your runner up? Uh, extremely quotable. My runner-up uh, is when Seth goes off on the home ec teacher. That that whole monologue bit, he just, nice. it's, it's fucking great. <laughs> I'm over here in my unit, isolated and alone, eating my terrible tasting food, and I gotta look over at that. Looks like the most fun I've ever seen in my entire life. And it's BS, excuse my language, I'm just saying that I wash and dry. I'm like a single mother. Look, we all know home ec is a joke, no offense. It's just like everyone takes his class to get an A. It's bullshit, and I'm sorry. And I'm not putting down your profession, but it's just the way I feel. I don't want to sit here all by myself cooking this shitty food, no offense, and I just think that I don't ever need to cook tiramisu. When am I gonna need to cook tiramisu? Am I gonna be a chef? No, there's three weeks left in school, give me a fucking break. I'm sorry for cursing. Uh, that is an honorable mention. Uh, my runner-up, though, uh, was I love the banter between, well, not even banter. It's really just kind of almost bullying to, to a degree. Uh, Seth to uh, McLovin, when uh, at this point, McLovin or Fogel has told his story about uh, following the girl in the hallway and coming out of it, uh, Seth says, That's the coolest fucking story I've ever heard in my entire life. That's insane. Can I hear it again? Do you have time? Yeah, yeah, Seth. I'm really going to miss your uh, knee slappers when me and Evan are at Dartmouth. Yeah, well, you guys are at Dartmouth. I'll be over at State where the girls are half as smart and thus twice as likely to fellash me. It's <laughs> just like, just giving him <laughs> shit, just like the sarcastic, like, oh, wow, super interesting, man. That's cool. Um, I just, uh, I love that type of comedy. And, and the, of course, you know, McLovin picks up on it. You can tell that they, they're, they're not really friends. They are more just acquaintances through through Evan. All right, what about your winner? Uh, my winner is uh, is an exchange between Evan and Becca. It's when she says, Evan, I'm so wet. Oh, yeah. Uh, they said that would happen in hell. Oh, man. That's your winner? Yeah, that's a, yeah man. That's a great exchange. It's so funny. Because I love the innocence that it shows with uh, Evan's uh, character. Well, I think that's a trend, for his, of course, for his character saying, you know, during the toast, he's like, oh, it's a women treating women i mean and it's 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 admirable that he's saying that just it's not the right time and he kind of comes off saying that as a party where at a party where everyone's drunk is kind of the the 
typical nice guy that is just really trying too hard. Bro, you're getting that's I, I laughed really hard when I heard that the first time. I remember. I think that, maybe that, that line you're getting a great laugh on. I, yeah, it is just because he's so awkward. I think I can relate to yeah. that. Just like he's trying. Yeah, Ciro was just so perfectly cast, and, and he's just. He just so perfectly executes the part. It, one of the upcoming recasting segment, one of the hardest to recast. Right there with McLovin. Maybe I just relate to the awkwardness too much. And that's my trouble yeah, with it. He does uh, it so well. Uh, my winner is uh, at the tail end of our runner-up scene where he tells the backstory between him and Becca and his drawings, phallic drawing history. Uh, but coming out of that, he talks about his parents' punishment with that and says they literally made me stop eating foods that were shaped like dicks no hot dogs no popsicles you know how many foods are shaped like dicks the best kinds (laughs) (laughs) and it's true it is true oh man yeah he makes a good point when he starts (laughs) describing the one you're like holy shit there are a lot of foods that are shaped like that that are great uh all right what about honorable mentions uh honorable mentions man so quotable uh Take off your vest. You look like Aladdin. I have that. That was almost my runner-up. I love that. Fogel, shut the fuck up. And take off your vest. You look like Aladdin. Okay. The best part about that is that Seth gives him shit. He's like, yeah, fuck you, whatever. And then after Seth walks away, he's just like, take it off. You look like Aladdin. And McLovin is very, he's very, he gives in. He's just like, yeah, you're right. Okay. And he he takes it off. Another honorable mention is uh, by uh, Seth when he says, Yes, but the point is to be good at sex by the time you get to college. You don't want girls thinking that you suck dick and fucking pussy, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It's so Again, goes back to like that just typical high school, like they're thinking about it. They're overthinking it. They don't know what they're talking about. They are trying too hard. I mean, that's just kind of a trend for a lot of their motivations yeah. in the film. Yeah, and that this next honorable mention goes hand in hand with it when uh Seth says, "Funny thing about my back is it's located on my cock." Well, Jules, the funny thing about my back is is that it's located on my cock. <laughs> now, that is another one I think would not work today. Uh, that is that as I know that line it almost uh, makes me uncomfortable. I, I get I get I get uh, third hand embarrassment or second hand embarrassment when I hit, see him. So I'm just like, oh, it's so, it's just very cringeworthy so, to hear. Yeah, it is. But that's oh. what makes it hilarious. Yeah. Like, it, wow. It's it just so unbelievable that, that she would even still talk to him after that point. But it's unbelievable she's even talking to him to begin with. Fair anyway. enough. Fair enough. Um, so the only other one I had is uh, when they're talking about Jules' past boyfriends, speaking of of him not being in her league. And they talk about one guy, I think Matt Maurer or something like that, and says, And Matt Muir, Matt Muir, he's the sweetest guy ever. Have you ever stared into his eyes? It was like the first time I heard the Beatles. Jeez. Uh, yeah, that, that was just like, the, it was so descriptive and hilarious in how on point it would be about <sighs> Telling us a lot about your uh, own desires there, aren't we, Phil? Talking about my own eyes. Because that's yeah, what people yeah. said about me. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Enough of that. A um, couple more here. Uh, when uh, Seth yells, Hey, Greg, why don't you go piss your pants again? That was like eight years ago, asshole. People don't forget. We get the great Franco appearance. The day Franco. Yep. Very good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No one's got a hand job in cargo shorts since Nom. No one's got a hand job in cargo shorts since Nom. Another great line by uh, uh, Seth. He's got the best ones, man. 
You're pulling out the vulgarity, the ra- the, the the true yeah. raunchiness of the teen comedy. And then my last one is by the cops, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna I gotta go a few here with super bad. My last one is uh, prepare to be fucked by the long dick of the law. Okay, everyone, prepare to be fucked by the long dick of the law. Get out. That <laughs> I should have had that one. That was pretty. The delivery on that line is, yeah. is hilarious. That's very good. And then in the trailer, they've got the one um, where he says, You know when you hear a girl saying, like, Oh, I was so shit-faced last night. I shouldn't have fucked that guy. We could be that mistake. Yeah, that's in the trailer. So. Uh, it is in the unrated version, uh, too, but it's a good example of how their mentality changes throughout the film, for, thankfully. It's worth an honorable mention, yeah. Moving on to Judge Bob's recasting court where Warren and I recast the film with today's stars. All rise for the Honorable Judge Bob presiding. Gentlemen, you may be seated. Recasting court is in session. Fellas, glad to have you back here. Thank you. But, you know, interesting season so far, really. You, you, you guys have the undesirable task tonight of finding three bona fide A-listers and five total bona fide absolute stars before they were before they were found before they're famous well that's not gonna happen we cast stars of today i think i think our track record speaks for itself this season yeah we are not casting directors and we are clearly terrible (laughs) although i do appreciate your effort in the super bad episode to stress the word bona fide i think seth would be proud yeah all right. Well, um, can't can't wait for our audience to find out how you guys have basically just put uh, Stranger Things into a cast. Nope. Nope. Stayed away from Stranger Things. Made an intention with the new Stranger Things being out. I, I look at the notes. I get excited. And I was like, which one of these idiots just mailed it in this week and put all Stranger Things cast? Nobody, Nobody did. did. If there was ever Nobody. a time to do it, though, this would be the time because of the new season out, man. Fresh. I mean, it's fresh and on also the, on the because mind. like I did the same thing for Breakfast Club. When it's low-hanging fruit like that, I try to go out of my way to uh, to not do Stranger Things. Yeah. Well, and let's be honest, uh, we got Goonies coming up next episode, so we got to save the <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Although they're too old for Goonies now. They're, 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 that cast is for Stranger Things. All right. Tonight's casting, we will be hearing a recasting of Officer Michaels, Officer Slater, Becca, Jules, Should We Need a Tiebreaker, Fogel, the McLovin himself will be the guy. Yes, and then perfect. Seth and Evan. Now, I believe the ball is in Warren. No one's court. Oh, is it mine? Oh, because we're coming off a fucking yeah. mistrial, Your Honor. Way to do your job. Yeah, our first ever true tie <laughs> since we started this. Almost yeah. uh, over 50 episodes. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, I forgot that after last week's train wreck, I have head trauma, and I can't remember exactly what happened. <laughs> oh, Let me flip a coin okay. here. <laughs> All right. All right, Warren. Yep. Uh, that's, that's <laughs> oh, nice. Video. Good, good one. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. So, Warren, who do you have cast as Officer Michaels? Uh, Officer Michaels, uh, one of my favorite characters in this movie. Um, you got to go comedian here. And uh, I thought of an actress who I thought would be great in the part. Uh, and I'd love to, because 80% of this part is improv. Uh, I went with Tiffany Haddish. She would be fucking hilarious. Uh, in this part, and add a new wrinkle, a new dimension uh, that you know uh, Rog- Rogan didn't bring, but obviously both equally great. Uh, yeah, I love that. Um, uh, Tiffany Haddish is great. She's playing a, a police officer that kind of has this type of vibe, although probably a little bit more capable. And uh, like a new Joe Coy movie that's that's coming out. Um, 
uh, I saw a trailer for that. So, I mean, I think this is definitely within her wheelhouse, that, that level of comedy, she, she would crush it. So, so great there. Um, I, I, I thought, you know, thought about this and I think of a similar approach with officer Michaels and Slater, you got to have some, somebody that like you can see him as a cop, but there is a level of ineptitude. They're terrible. I mean, for all intents and purposes, they're terrible at their jobs. I mean, <laughs> they might be able to be good at it, but I mean, even with the interviewing thing, like they don't take their job very seriously. There's just a blase quality to it. I went with Nick Kroll, uh, you know, the league, uh, big <laughs> yeah, mouth. Yeah, I mean, yeah, man, come on. We know who fucking Nick Kroll yeah, is. Of course. I know. Anyway, you didn't hear me yeah, listen yeah, off the, Tiffany Haddish credits, did you? Come on. She's a, they're both, they're both, I mean, they're, they're fucking stars. Nick Kroll, man, bringing the heat. Yeah, he's hilarious. But, uh, you know, again, I, I'm thinking, like, I think box office here. I think Tiffany Haddish is putting more asses in seats. Uh, she's got uh, got some bankability at the uh, and and I think round you you want to try to go with an all star cast and she's going to be a, a great piece of the ensemble. Yeah, and I also paired. I kind of looked at Kroll, at Crow uh, uh, who he would pair with with as with his officer Slater. So I did kind of cast them as a duo, which you'll yeah, that's what I did too in a second. I did. I, I, I a little shout out to your honor. Did think of Pete Davidson for this. <laughs> I, that actually would have been pretty good. I think he would have been more of an officer uh, a Slater than a Michaels, but yeah. I had it wrote down, but I wasn't going to bring it up simply from the fact that, uh, and we start bringing up people's names that often. I mean, look what we did to Zendaya's career, guys. So we need to slow it down. Uh, Pete Davidson, sure. you know. She has us to thank for completely. Absolutely. We cannot yeah, bring him call. up too yeah. often. We've got to make sure that, you know, he's ready for that kind of exposure. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway uh, okay okay well, who was, he again? was he like your your magneto was he your michael corleone i can't remember you had him for something anyway go on maybe i should wait to insult you until after your decision it doesn't matter <laughs> um you're gonna have a hard time putting nick kroll in the right casting and losing well done phil all right thank you how did, how did tiffany haddish lose this phil keep it rolling officer slater and like I said, I, I looked at Slater and the Michaels as a pair uh, for the for the the two of these. Um, I mean, they're a duo in the film, and you got to have great chemistry there. Who better than to have great chemistry in that role than John Mulaney as my officer Slater? And he even looks like a cop. You could see him like Bill Hader, like looking like a cop, and but completely you know just out of his element. Kind of pretty. You kind of kind of pretty for a cop. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> kind of pretty for a stunt man. There you go, Warren. Who is your officer Slater? My officer Slater, look again, comedian. Uh, I went with a very talented actress. She would pair well with my uh, with my officer Michaels, Tiffany Haddish, Regina Hall. Oh, nice, hilarious. She's very good. I love her. Big fan of her work. Uh, again, bringing in a wrinkle. Uh, Tiffany Haddish and Regina Hall to Officer Michaels and Slater and the dynamic they would have in their scenes, uh, which is my, my favorite scenes in the movie, don't want to step on that segment, are with these cops and to see what they would do with and taking it in a different direction, it, it would just be so much fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. I can't harp you on your choices. I mean, you're you're making great selections there. I would almost like to see, I know we didn't get to see that in Superbad, but I, I feel like Regina Hall is like her, her the 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 off-screen sergeant that you don't see, but she's got the great comedic chops. So again, I you know, now, you got to Regina you. Hall in your cast. You want her on screen as much as no. I, I agree. I mean, if you, if you were to see like the sergeant, like I would think of it like uh, what was the movie with uh, Wahlberg and 
and Will Ferrell, where they were the, the other guys. And, the other guys, you know, she she would be like great as like. Of course, he knows that. Yeah, the other, Jesus, yeah. but I mean, it, it, it's a funny movie. <laughs> it's his movie expertise. It's the Yankee Clipper. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That is a funny movie. Oh, Gator needs his gun. Listen, um, I love the Mulaney casting. Well done, Phil. Yeah, whatever. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stupid. <laughs> All right. Off to, uh, off to a good redemptive start. All right. Shut the fuck up. Let's, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Phil, <laughs> who's your Becca? Uh, Becca, I mean, this is the... A girl we probably all, all knew in high school that is uh, very much probably a good student, you know, very proper in, in class, gets a, a little, obviously in the film, gets a little out, out of control at parties on the weekends. Um, so you have to kind of, in some ways. Oh, okay, Phil, you're not doing a fucking grand introduction here. Let's let's get to in it. In some right, ways, right. you have to have a good, you know, um, you, you want to have the, the good girl quality. <laughs> um, I went with uh, Kiernan Shipka. Uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, you know, up and coming star there. Um, so I did see her in this role. Just googling actresses, huh, Phil? That's, I mean, that's like ninety percent of the job right here. You're probably going to alert the authorities of some of these searches. <laughs> well, like no, best they're actors all, under they're, twenty. They're all, <laughs> of, they're like all weird. of age. They're all of age, despite yeah, this yes. being a teen teen comedy. My Beck, uh, I thought of Hunter Schaefer from uh, Euphoria. See that, that. See, Euphoria is your Stranger Things. Uh, yeah, it's, it, well, I, I, it I love. I love both of those shows actually. Yeah. Uh, but I went with Halle Bailey. Halle Bailey, ah. uh, Judge, not Halle Berry. Just to be clear, so you don't hold it against me when you're ruling. Yeah. As Halle Bailey, upcoming Mermaid, <laughs> Little Mermaid. The actress who played Becca, uh, uh, Martha McIsaac. She was 23 at the time, so you're not always going to get the actors being of high school age playing the part. Rarely the, do the you get an actor yeah, exactly in that's actually high school age playing a high school part. Well, because the 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 the, uh, the limitations on having someone on set that's under 18, you can't work as long as hours, so it's a lot easier to work with someone over 18. Well, and, yeah. and we all know everyone that we grew up loving and thinking was in high school was well in their 20s and 30s at this stage of our life. So, I mean, of course, we don't expect them to actually be of high school age. For sure. I think uh, the Becca role, it's just got to be the a Little Miss Perfect face image kind of thing. You know, there's just something about her. And then, uh, you know, obviously, maybe a little bit not at the same time. Kiernan Shipka, well done, Phil. Yeah, Jesus. thank you. Yes. Massacre. Oh, man. Bullshit. Oh, man. Whew. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wonder why Fucking you making the rulings. Well, I, I think I do tend to to do better on the teen the, the teen films, uh, teen comedy films. I think there's a track record for that. I don't anyway. know. I think that if we put all of the people you know in a room and we pull how many times they've seen this movie, they wouldn't have surpassed how many times I've seen this movie because there was a lonely stage period <laughs> in my twenties where I don't want to age myself too much. But uh, I only had DVDs at that stage of my life. And at that point, I had three DVDs. Super Bad was one of them with no cable. I have seen this movie. What were the other repeat. two? I'm not going. <laughs> yeah, they were, yeah, they were like uh, fucking Red Shoe Diaries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Parts one and two. <laughs> who's, who's Debbie? Why? What is she doing? To, anyway, Phil, who is your Jules? Uh, my initial thought for Jules was Elle Fanning, uh, but she was my share in Clueless, so I've already used her this season. She is off the table, but uh, I mean, who, who could have foreseen Emma Stone 
rising to the height she has risen coming off of this being her first role. I mean, just knocked it out of the park. So I was I was wanting to go with the big name, but I also think in addition to the name, the actress has got to have the right the right persona for the part. Um, so I pulled a, 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 a little bit of bias, but a, a recent uh, actress that I've been introduced to uh, in Ghostbusters Afterlife. She played um, Finn Wolfhard's girlfriend in that. Uh, her name is Celeste O'Connor. So not quite a, a household name, uh, but definitely an up-and-comer, and I think it would nail the, the tone of the role. All right. Warren, what do you got here? If I don't get this, I mean, this is – I nailed this one. Jeez. Uh, my Jules, Maude Apatow. Oh, uh, uh, the the Apatow family tree. You're plucking. Okay, I know, man. She is such a great talent, really up good. and comer, yeah. uh, and she's proven she's got the comedic chops. And this is forty, even at a much younger age, and she's got the dramatic chops. Even when we saw her in Euphoria, I don't believe we've recast her uh, on the show yet. Uh, she's uh, this is a, a worthy part to introduce her into the uh, pantheon of uh, actors who've been recast on replay value. And uh, not so fast uh, as uh, you know, resident documentarian here. I can't. Uh, a test that you in season three fucking nerd yeah and uh, pretty woman you did cast her as your kit deluca so oh damn second, that was forever ago yeah that was like yeah was so many episodes ago. so sec- yeah, second time though but uh yeah oh, yeah but we don't we don't use her as much as we do a lot of the other actors. i will give you credit though because if this film were to be made today obviously it would be an apatow film there is a high possibility that she would be the jewels part. So for Absolutely. actually realistic realism, yeah, that that's a very good choice. When I saw yeah. the Maude Apatow on there, I just, man, I mean, this character Jules is such a kind of a grotesque sense of humor. She's kind of one of the guys there's just, it, it takes a special girl to pull that off and still be kind of the girl, the it girl. Uh, loved what you did with the the mod Apatow. Really excited to see what she does. No, it was good. It's well done. Yeah. About time you got something right. Oh, wow. Man, I mean, yeah. we still have three to go. I mean, that's pretty bold. Well, the, this next one's worth two. So, uh, Fogel, I am McLovin. Who is your McLovin, Warren? I could tell you who my old McLovin would be. If we were doing like the super bad reunion years, Paul Shear would be my McLovin for sure. Oh, uh, okay. I mean, it, if it was made in like the 90s, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, I, this is the hardest role to recast, I think. McLovin is really tough. Uh, I went with an actor who's really talented. He's been done a lot of dramatic work, but I think it would be very interesting to see him uh, work at a high-level comedy. And Apatow comedy, it doesn't get. That's the highest-level art form comedy there is in movies. Cody Smith-McPhee. Hmm. Okay. Um I will admit that I wasn't quite, I'd heard the name, but I wasn't familiar with a lot of his work. Um, Power so, of the dog, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know a lot of more dramatic stuff. He he looks a lot younger than he actually is. So as much as I would like to burn you for picking a 26-year-old for or 24-year-old or something. Age for, doesn't matter. It, uh, yeah, it doesn't I, I'm matter. giving you credit. I'm giving you credit yeah. because yeah. I'm saying he looks very youthful. Um, so a uh, very fine actor. So good, good choice there. I mean, pull, I mean, he's got some chops. So good, good, good job. Uh, again, I I don't know. I've never seen him in comedic wise. And you were, you made a good point about you know nailing the comedy, the beats of that. I've not seen him in that type of role. He could probably do it. I just I haven't seen it. Um, for my McLovin, I went with uh, Sean Jim Brony. 
Uh, he is uh, Adam Goldberg in the series The Goldbergs. Got a lot of comedy chops. Uh, he plays um, in that uh, Hulu series Solar Opposites. With the, it's like a kind of a Rick and Morty esque show. So a very high level of comedy there. Is it a possible uh, role to recast? It, it really is. I, I mean, I, I struggled with it until I landed on Sean Jambroni. I feel like he, it, he again, like Maude Apatow would be in it. I think he would be the front runner for the McLovin role if it were actually made today. Impossible to recast. It this really is. Like is. The, yeah. it, you know, it, like you said, you go in a time machine, and I like the name that pops in my head for something like this is like John Hader from or back in the day, Napoleon Dynamite. You know what I mean? Like th- this is just not somebody that we see you know, post the bullying kind of been, you know, thing that's been passed. And like, there's just, we don't see this character, you know, as often as we used to. And so it just gets harder and harder to do It's very physical comedy. There's something about McLovin that makes you doubt every single thing he's going to do. And yet he just way overdoes your expectations every time. And it, it's just amazing, you know, <laughs> like, there's just something about he's it. He's so like it's like disconnected. Like he doesn't know he's not cool. So <laughs> that's so like that irrational confidence. Irrationally confident. Sorry. So I think there is a specific look that we're going to be targeting on this one. While I think uh, the Sean Giambrone is fantastic, he has the voice, he has the presence. The Cody Smith McPhee is right on spot for this one. All the way. Yeah. yeah. Ah. No, that. Ah, ha, ha. No, no, terrible. Terrible. Yes. Oh. For all the reasons you said, actor. Sean was the better choice, and you went the other way. Oh man, you you were you were on a good streak there, Judge, and then you blew it. No, no, he wasn't. Uh, you know, uh, he, everyone's going to blow it in recasting McLovin. It, it's an impossible casting. Um, that being said, congratulations, guys. You are going to recast one of the largest Hollywood stars ever. Yeah, right. Of our generation. Next. On Dateline. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your Seth? Look, uh, my Seth, I purposely, I think we, we Phil and I, uh, you could see we made a concerted effort to avoid the, the shows with uh, kids in them uh, that we love so much, Stranger Things, Euphoria, uh, Cobra Kai, and actually go with uh, you know younger actors we've seen in film. So for my Seth, uh, look, it's it's big shoes to fill, but a, a really funny part. You need a lot of energy, uh, comedic timing. Uh, this guy's proven to have both. Jacob Batalon is my Seth. Yeah, I also went with Jacob Batalon. Again? What? Did we just become best friends? Not just a friend, a partner. Ned Leakes, Spider-Man. Yeah, the Ned, the the guy in the chair uh, from the Spider-Man films. Uh, he could carry the film. He's got the comedic chops, the tone to nail the Seth. I mean, he gets a little bit of uh, room to breathe in, in that type of role where you could see him as like, you know, Seth-esque, of it course. Would, it would also be interesting to see him take the, the that type of character to a, a more mature, you know, high school teenager. I wouldn't say mature, maybe not be the right word, but an older teenager, uh, you know, in, in this type of comedy. It's it's definitely a, 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 a variety. It's something we haven't seen him do before. Yeah, I would like to see him be a degrade, in some ways degrade himself. It's a good progression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A regression progression, yeah. Regardless, uh, Evan is Warren. Who do you have here? My Evan, uh, look again, big shoes to fill. Uh, this is such a uber Pacific part for Michael Sierra. It's really tough to see anybody else playing it. Truly, just he, he's so perfect in it. But the easy low hanging fruit here is to go Tom Holland. Okay, yeah. it's because you got. But no, it doesn't quite work. Uh, thought of Ty Sheridan, considered him. 
But I went with uh, Jaden Martell. Oh, wow. I also went with Jaden Martell. Yeah. Again? What? Did we just become best friends? Not just a friend, a partner. Snoochie boochies. <laughs> Oh, man, uh, I think, you know, you're looking at such a specific uh, type of actor to fit these roles that you almost I'm not surprised we landed on the same actors for Evan and Seth. So. I kind of am. But we do. Some, we <laughs> well, have a thanks tendency a lot. To match there. Jesus. But, no, but we have a tendency to match up on the uh, uh, lead uh, leads in some films like uh, last year. We had a little run with uh, Reynolds, Jerry Maguire and a couple other ones. Well, I will say that for the second episode in a row, you and I, you and I have matched up on the top two recastings. Last week it was, uh, or last episode it was, Tom Hardy and Zendaya, and now we've got Martell and Batalon. So that that's never happened before. So well, you know what else has never happened before? We're going to be going into the mid season here fairly soon, and I believe Phil is winning outright, yes. just like he did tonight. I am a golden god! Recasting court is adjourned. All right, fan theory time. Bet I'm surprising you to have a fan theory for Superbad. Probably weren't expecting that. Yeah, I thought you were going to skip it. Uh, it's a brief one, and we, we touched on it a little earlier, talking about the lack of, or I did anyway, talking about the lack of bullying and certain unreliable narrations by Evan and Seth. Uh, the fan theory goes is that Evan and Seth are actually popular in school. Uh, they're, they're shown on screen as to kind of be the nerdy types, and that's the impression you get. Uh, but in all actuality, you know, they have pretty girls that like them. They are cheered when they go to a party. Uh, of course, it's related to having booze. Uh, but the, the unreliable narration... Um, is it, it, it makes them as storytellers make it's their own insecurities coming out in the film that they're nerds and they're not popular when, when, when in fact they are they're actually quite popular maybe it was middle of the ground I don't know I feel like you uh, you that movie has such an authenticity to it you're writing from your own experience well I mean it, it seems like a lot it's led by you know Seth and Evan and like I mean, Seth has these fantasy sequences. I mean, he's very disconnected from reality. He's very, he has got a one track mind and you know what it's on uh, through much of the film. So I feel like it's, you know, the storytelling is skewed from that perspective. I don't necessarily buy it, uh, but I do feel like it's worth a conversation because yeah, I think when you're in high school, your perception of yourself it can be a lot different than what other people think about you and oftentimes Absolutely. it's worse yeah um uh, so i do think that they in reality they probably look at themselves in a more negative light than what other people did now uh, you may, that may be true we never know though that's uh, that's an unanswerable the fan theory the biggest argument i would say against it is that that one bully whatever spits on him but if you think about it that kid's probably just kind of twisted in the head because he spits on a cop as well and he gets decked for it. So, I mean, this he guy just, his he just made in the third act. He just may do that to a lot of people. I mean, mm. and also he has glasses and a mullet. So how much of a bully can he yeah. really be? So that was it. All right. Well, uh, again, uh, we'll never know. And we'll close out the episode discussing the legacy of Superbad, one of the great high school teen comedies of all time, uh, not only of the 2000s, uh, which we'll talk about here in a moment and in, in, in talking about uh, where, where it ranks. But, uh, man, and I we don't like to do hyperbole too much, but a lot of the films that we do deserve a, a, a lot of that praise, and Superbad is no different. It's truly a great film of its genre. 
It, it absolutely is. I mean, you, you look at the um, not only the ways that it had uh, the careers of the actors in it take off, but the creators as well. I think, you know, to use the cliche term lightning in a bottle, I mean, the timing was right for it. I mean, we had other teen comedies, but a lot of them were all were, at the time were just like uh, parodies off of films that were successful in the earlier 2000s, late 90s or retreads of stuff that had been done before. This felt like a true, truly unique perspective and a realistic one uh, on that experience. Well, I mean, we can go in and get into it now, but it's uh, uh, it's the evolution of the genre. So, I mean, it started with American Graffiti. Then you got uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Breakfast Club, Say Anything, Days of Confused, um, uh, uh, Clueless, American Pie. That's kind of rounding out the 90s. And then the 21st century, you've got Anchorman. And then I'd say Superbad in terms of great comedies. And then after Superbad, you know, you got Hangover, Bridesmaids. Uh, I, I think that's your when you look at where this film ranks in the genre, uh, it's on the Mount Rushmore uh, of where it ranks uh, of of this century of of comedies to come out. Hangover, Bridesmaid, Superbad, Anchorman. That's my top four. Well, I would say I, I've got it as like kind of a th- uh, top three. Um, you know, the the big three for me is um, not to say this century, but of all time, uh, Fast Times. Uh, and Dazed and Confused in this, uh, as sure. far as coming-of-age teen comedies. I would put this uh, right behind Fast Times, but ahead of Dazed and Confused. This would be my mm. my middle, my number two. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. that's a, probably about where I'd rank it. I, I got to put Fast Times number one for the me. Fast that's Times just, is number uh, one. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was just the, the original for me. Uh, I got to ask you this, though. Um, so... <laughs> You know, the, the way that the movie ends, it kind of ends on like this, leaves it up in the air. You see them kind of separate on the escalator. There's, you know, the, the story of Seth and Evan. Where does it go from here? What happens next with these characters? Well, they should have. I'm surprised we didn't get a sequel. We get super duper bad. Um, okay. I mean, are you the guy who came up with a tagline? Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> super bad is a great title. I don't know how you get super bad two, maybe just call it super bad two. Yeah. Um, they go to college. Maybe since they're obviously going to different schools. Evan and Seth, uh, we get them right uh, like a week before spring break, and they're looking forward to meeting up and going on a trip. Mm. And then that's the movie. We get Evan and Seth going on spring break together. Oh. And then McLovin, of course, is along for the ride. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, they're both at Dartmouth. Yeah, Evan and, and McLovin are. Um, you know, I, I see um, I see McLovin becoming like this uh, egotistical, disconnected uh Elon Musk type where he just, you know, it goes on another level. Uh, I think Evan and Seth grow apart. I mean, let's be honest, the way that they, that the movie ends, it shows them kind of learning to live without each other. They're separating from each other. Yeah. You learn to live without each other. You don't mean you lose your best friend. No, no, they, 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 no friend I mean, high school that I'm still really close to. Yeah. They grow apart in the sense that like, you know, they, you're they, not day to day living together. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they still come in contact and stuff, but their lives that's are. That's what I'm saying. They different. go on an epic spring break trip. Okay. That's what best friends that's do. The ne- that that's aren't the in each okay. That's what you do. You go on trips together when you can't. You know, you, you you plan epic events to go to when you're not. You know, living in the same city or around each other anymore. Yeah, my, my mine's more uh, realistically uh, bitter. It's just like, nope. You look. You high school friends over. New set of friends. They're no, gone. Not, most of the time, but not always. 
Uh, there were two tie-in books to the movie, though, that were published. Uh, Superbad, the Illustrated Movie Book, and Superbad, the Drawings. So nothing that was a sequel or told us anything about where the characters were headed or what their future would be. Yeah, this is very much, to me, it's in the Spaceballs vein of movie title, The Something. You know, the Illustrated Movie Book was just had a bunch of stills, the script, um, several things about, like, Easter eggs, uh, the the making of like the Vagtastic voyage type things, which I don't know if that's real or if they shot it specifically or created it specifically for Super Bad. But I can always appreciate the fake media or the fake things that are like we talked about um, in Home Alone, uh, Angels with Filthy Souls or whatever. Like growing up, yeah, when they thought, create things, they for create you. things yeah, yeah, for the movie. I always love it when they do that. Uh, of course, it's a little little crude in the the case of Superbad here. Yeah. Um, now, Superbad, the drawings specifically is the phallic drawings uh, by David Goldberg that we mentioned earlier, 82 of them. So they expanded on what was shown in the film and added to it. So definitely a coffee table piece you'd want to have in your house. <laughs> oh, yeah, says the married man father too. Well, yeah, my, my, my two boys would probably get a, get a kick out of it. Uh, uh, do, do not own that book and probably never will, but they would probably love it. I'm sure. Spoofs of the movie, uh, disaster movie. I uh, had a McLovin character. He was called McLover. Uh, <laughs> the uh, there's also a, a spoof movie, and this is the title: the 41 year old virgin who knocked up Sarah Marshall and felt super bad about it. That's terrible. It's so lazy. I hate yeah. that. Oh my yeah. gosh. Uh, and it was also uh, spoofed in Paranormal Wactivity. I think that was a softcore porn. Oh. Uh, the description is a sexy spoof. Uh huh. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, and then remember the uh, Dan Patrick show had McLovin on. They had oh, actual, that's right. Yes, they had like one of his never, cast yeah. members, McLovin. Yeah. And they kept um, that going for years uh, until recently. I think he just left the show uh, a couple months ago. Um, yeah, I think the McLovin name is what's definitely most spoofed or referenced from the film. Uh, would be McLovin. That's definitely That's, uh, well. That and the fake ideas just has so much of a cultural impact. You mm -hmm. think about the T-shirts you've seen people wear, the posters people have of the ID. Um, it's iconic. Very much so. Yeah. All right. So if you were to watch this movie as a double feature, what would you pair it with? I mean, we, we, it's a very quick watch. So I mean, you're you've got the time. You can just you've got it on. What do you put on after this or before it? Maybe. Well, uh, I think uh, Greg Matola's uh, Adventureland in 2009 feels like a very much a companion piece to this. Somewhat, okay. Um, uh, knocked Up. That was uh, my I choice. I picked Knocked Up. I mean, same uh, year, be, yeah, so, same, yeah. same vibe. Same cast, yeah. filmmakers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Two only the, hits of the year, yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll throw you a curveball, and this is leading into terrible fan theory uh, territory here. Yeah. Uh, I would pair it with Wolf of Wall Street. Super bad to Wolf of Wall Street. Donnie Great, is actually yeah. Seth. Okay, grown up. He's gone off the rails, I mean, just like this do, fan you, theory. You only do it if it's a Jonah Hill double feature, but just That's double, what I'm saying. double feature in general. I mean, I don't know if you're going to lean that much into it since they're such different <laughs> films. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was a joke on the, the Hill yeah, being okay. the same character. Yeah, I would, yeah, really yeah, funny, thanks. Phil. Thanks. Uh, I have my moments. Yeah. Oh, I almost forgot another cultural impact that it, uh, you had to think about that it did have. And Seth Rogen said this on one of the anniversaries, I think on Twitter, uh, that uh, Superbad invented the term DTF, down to fuck. Really? Yes. Huh. That is, it seems to check out. I know it's a raunchy teen comedy, but 
themes, lessons from the film. I mean, there are takeaways I feel like are, yeah. are valued that, that, that this film, um, uh, put out there. I mean, at least for me personally, and I, I'll, I'll say this, I'll start with it, but you know, it is a coming of age comedy, but when I watch this film, you know, my college years, you know, when you have those friends from high school still, and you're not too far removed from, from high school, uh, it's about moving on, uh, you know, being able to get ready for that next step in your life. I think that that, that, that is one theme that gets um, mm-hmm. more focused at the end, but is somewhat hidden and subdued throughout the, the, the rest of the film. Uh, and also respecting yourself. Yeah. I mean, you, they, they worry so much about what other people think about them and getting drunk so they can live in this moment that they forget about what they want and, and what is best for them. Yeah, self-confidence carries a lot of Self-confidence, yeah, absolutely. That's one of the main, yeah. Uh, that and don't be a dick. I got that as a main message for this movie. Don't be <laughs> yeah. a jerk. Um, yeah, respecting others, too, yeah, because, I, yeah. I mean, I think that's something, you know, as far as uh, the confidence angle that you talked about. I mean, I, I struggle with that in high school. I know a lot of people, do, most high schoolers do. I mean, you, you're so worried about what people think about you that mm-hmm. um, that 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 often gets put on the back burner, especially in high school. I mean, Absolutely. Status is real important. Uh, don't hide important things uh, from someone in fear of hurting them. I mean, you got to tell them, you know, how you feel or what's happening. Uh, particularly, you know, how they keep the the fact they're going to be roommates from Seth. And then he finds out and it leads to kind of a blow up. He just would have told them probably when it happened. I don't know though. Seth probably gotten pissed off. Anyway. <laughs> Seth probably would if anybody, <laughs> he would have had another <laughs> fantasy sequence where he slits <laughs> yeah. McLovin's throat. <laughs> And I think it's, yeah, and I think it's what's kind of ahead of its time. It's aged really well is that you shouldn't take advantage of drunk people. Not only drunk women, drunk people. Uh, Evan and Jules both do not take advantage of the other characters. That's a great point. Yeah. When they're drunk. Yeah. That, that, and and in the moment you're, you think about it and it would have been easy for either one of them to, uh, especially Evan. I mean, he was in that situation. Oh, absolutely. He could easily. Yeah. And, and a lot of guys would have. And so as much as you want to make fun of him for being awkward and, and whatever, and even she makes fun of him a little bit, he, the next morning, clearly he made the right choice. So that, that is a, that is a great takeaway. Unfortunately, comedies don't get the recognition they deserve. So didn't find a lot when it comes to all time lists, but one I did find, I think it's pretty impressive. Uh, Empire's 500 greatest movies of all time. It ranked 487th. The fact that it's even on that list as a comedy on all time movies. I mean, considering that comedies don't get their due, they really, in my opinion, don't, uh, they don't get the awards. Uh, we've talked about that with other, not genres, but particularly with other, uh, uh, craft uh, positions within film whether it be stunts uh they, they don't get the due they deserve and there's not enough categories for comedy and um and apparently not enough all-time list either so uh, <laughs> that's all you're coming up with but uh eminem has said this is his favorite movie and it's probably because of his reference that they make about him <laughs> yeah the, the liquor store yeah, <laughs> yeah. um yeah I, I will say you know it does sound low to on a list of 500 but i think if you were to look through that list you would see a lot of just yeah, classic like Casablanca and fucking right. that's what know, I'm saying. A uh, lot of films that have been out for desire. I mean, come on. A lot of films that have been out for decades. Um, so as years, man, as time goes on, I know this movie's 15 years old now, uh, but as time goes on, these movies, as more generations get to experience them, it, it will age better. Um, as mm. a, a teen comedy yeah. coming of age story, the movie's that, gonna live on. It's place in the lexicon is secure yeah people will relate to this for many years to come 
And David Edison or Vulture summed it up best when he said, quote, might be the most provocative teen sex comedy ever made. It is certainly one of the most convulsively funny, unquote. That is going to do it for this episode of Replay Value. Thank you so much for listening. The Replay Value podcast is hosted by me, Philip Reinerson, and my brother, Warren Paul. Our recasting judge is Bob Thompson. Produced, edited, and directed by Walter Pickles Productions and dedicated to our father, who we have to thank for our love of cinema. Please be sure to follow the podcast, and if you like what you hear, take the time to rate, review, and share with a friend. You can visit us on our website, replayvaluepod.com, and follow us on Twitter at replayvaluepod. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every other Tuesday, and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye! This has been a Waldo Pickles production. 